Hey, I'm Angie. And I'm Emily. Being a creative person in the corporate space can be really tough, and we should know. Join us to talk about how to be a right brain in a left-brained world. It's The Artist at Work. Hello and welcome back. Today we wanted to talk about something that comes up you know, in our jobs a lot, but also in our lives, the way we talk about what we're good at, what we're bad at, or what are our strengths and our weaknesses. We kind of wanted to reframe that language and talk about maybe a more gentle way to speak and why strength and being strong and powerful get praise where maybe weak or vulnerability gets kind of shit on. So, um, Passing it to you. I will now present for the next 45 minutes a monologue about how (laughs) I believe that weakness is not inherently bad and we need to stop talking about it as such. You know, strong and weak are a dichotomy that we learn very early on. It is a favorite of storytellers to, you know, of all ages and for all ages. You hear it in stories where you're very little of people who are slow versus fast or, you know, dumb versus smart or, or beautiful versus ugly or strong versus weak. And none of those dichotomies are really, we assign a lot of virtue to these things that doesn't necessarily need to be there. And I think that there's a lot of beauty and specialness, and I'm very, very sensitive toward weakness in general. And, you know, seeing it comes up a lot in like networking groups of women that I'm in talking about how to be perceived as, as strong in the workplace and how not to be seen as weak. And that just bums me out really hard because I think that like dinging women's performance at work or elsewhere and painting that as weak. And then saying that that weak weakness is bad is such a bummer to me because I think that there's vulnerability and a lot of like conscientiousness that's also lives inside of this, you know, bucket that we have been taught to think of as really negative. Well, I think you make a really good point that it's the stories we've been told our whole lives. It's, it's an easy concept to make one thing bad and one thing good. Mm -hmm. You get to your point more quickly, right? So it's very natural that that's how stories are crafted for us. And that's how you learn behaviors and values. But I think as you develop into a full-fledged adult, you get to decide what's good and bad. I think it makes sense that we learn good and bad from stories. That's what you're saying. Like the tortoise is slow. The rabbit is fast. Goldilocks, (laughs) it's hot, cold, medium, whatever. It's really simple concepts helping you define your values and understand right from wrong. As we grow up, things become more complex and more gray and living in the gray is what makes us all interesting. And, um, you know, our personality is diverse and what, why we bring different things to a job or a relationship or anything we do with our lives. So I think what you're, you're getting at here is that we need to explore a different vocabulary that doesn't put connotation on certain words to make people feel inherently bad about themselves. That's really not the point of a strength and weaknesses, you know, exercise. It's to get to the root of what you're good at and can you do more of it? And how can you find opportunity to improve the things you want to improve or need to improve? 
Yeah, I think that's such a good way of putting it. And two, I think, and you mentioned this before when you were talking about, you know, someone said you were a bad presenter, so you needed to go to Toastmasters. Well, maybe you don't want to be a good presenter. Maybe you're a good presenter to the people around your dinner table when you're telling a story. And that's all the people who you need to impress with your presentation skills. And having strong presentation skills or weak presentation skills is and calling them those things and and having somebody very, very subjectively, quote unquote, grade you on these things takes so much away from who you are and what you can bring to the table, both as, you know, an employee and a person in the world and calling on people to, to buck up and improve their weaknesses and become stronger. I just think is kind of a bummer of a way to talk about things like this in an advanced society who is a little bit better than this, I think at this point. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. So if we kind of just want to get right into the heart of this stuff, let's talk about our strengths and our weaknesses in those categories and how they can be perceived as either, really. So we both came up with three. I'm going to let Emily start um, and we'll take it from there. Sure. So if if you'd like to, right at this at this moment, um, you can hit pause. This is like those little golden books where you got to, you know, every time it um, made a sound, you could turn the page. Um, if you hear this sound, ding. You can pause the podcast and take a moment to write down three things about yourself that you have been told are strengths and three things that you believe about yourself are, are weaknesses. I have written down, okay, Wayne's World music. Um, <laughs> okay, I, I have written down three weaknesses here, and they are that I am non-confrontational, that I shy away from conflict, uh, that I'm a procrastinator, and that I can be sort of a timid wallflower. But if you flip those three weaknesses on their heads, non-confrontational, I'm also pretty diplomatic in situations like this. I don't, I don't love conflict. And so I look for commonalities. I am a hell of a procrastinator, but I'm also pretty good under pressure if I need to be. And that timid wallflowery side of me does also make for a pretty good listener. So those quote unquote weaknesses um, being spun into strengths and being thought of as things that we can, you know, add rather than hide about ourselves and try to change. It's a nice way to think of it. What about you? Yeah. So I'm going to lead with my strengths and show you how they can be kind of perceived as weaknesses. So I would say a strength of mine is that I'm assertive. I say what I want. I, you know, I'm pretty direct. I think that can be perceived in a workplace or a relationship as pushy or bossy. (laughs) A second strength of mine is that I'm very efficient. I like to get to the point. I get, get things done, check it off my list, move fast, right? I think if you flip that on its head at at work or, again, in a relationship, that could be seen as controlling because I like things my way. A strength of mine, I think, is that I'm super playful. I like, you know, high energy. I like to find the fun in things. I like to laugh a lot and, you know, bring the humor. And I think that has been perceived in the workplace as maybe unprofessional or not serious enough. So, again, we're looking at things that, you know, we like about ourselves and then how others have told us perception is getting in the way of this. I was once told I was too authentic. Oh, yeah. that doesn't even mean anything. I hate that. Yeah. And I think it goes back to that, like, playful energy. Yeah. It was, I think that they meant maybe 
a little unprofessional and not in a way that was damaging, just in a way like if I have to give you three pieces of feedback, I got to dig in to see Mm -hmm. what I can do to improve you. Right. So it's also in that, that feedback session (laughs) where someone's telling you how to be better, but you don't really get to say how they could be better too. Right. Um, Uh Uh-huh. Especially when you're younger in your career. So I think, and then those things can be damaging. Like the fact that 12 years later, I still remember that conversation is a thing like that. That's a thing that clearly was hit a hot button for me. Well, and what was that person even hoping to accomplish by telling you that you were too authentic? What did they want to do? Put have a business suit on and be like, you know, scratching your collar every 30 seconds. That's just not nice. Well, I, I guarantee they never thought about it again after it came out of their mouth. Sure. It wasn't malicious. It was just a piece of feedback. So I think we just have to be really careful with our words. Words are important and they will sting when they're not thoughtful enough. And if you don't mean something, if you don't feel 100% behind something when you're giving a, another human being feedback that matters to them, like if you're their superior and you control their bonus or their their, their salary or you know, their livelihood, essentially, that piece of feedback could be carried with them the rest of their lives. So words matter. So one of my strengths, and I say this a little bit embarrassed and, and humble in a weird way, because it's hard to talk about yourself in a nice way, are that I'm a little bit funny. But You're that- a lot of it funny. <laughs> But that, I think that that can be perceived, you know, if you're looking at this in the weakness, weakness column as silly or distracted, you know, and I, I have certainly gotten that feedback before is that she needs to stop messing around. No, that's sort of part of who I am. And it's very, very linked to even how I work, even when I do serious work tasks, I need to have fun with them or else I'm going to, all the blood's going to be sucked out of my body. Um, (laughs) Impossible. Um, the second one is that I'm pretty easygoing, which I think if you, if you flip that, you know, I really, I, I don't care. I'm not like a, I don't need to be in charge of a lot of things. Um, but that can also be seen as sort of non-committal or doormatish. I think that I have often um, been asked, you know, well, what's your take on it? And I do really mean when I say, I don't care. I mean that. Um, and I think people are looking for me to have a little bit more of a backbone and I just really don't give a shit. And again, as I've said, if I don't need to chime in, I'm not going to chime in. Somebody else will. And they care much more than I do. Well, and sometimes it's over your pay grade to care. No, I don't care. Exactly. You're there to do the job, not care about the politics or the, the inertia behind something even. No, just here to get the work done. And then the third one, which is a very sensitive subject for me, because I, I really do see this as like kind of a weakness. I have a really good memory. There are a lot of facts in my brain that just manage to stay there. And that when it is a weakness, which it is often, I can be a lot of bit of a know-it-all. And that's really hard for me to um, stomach because I know how I'm very sensitive about it, but I, I can't help it. I love that you have so many facts in your head. But thank you. But it does make me a little bit of a know-it-all. And I, I can I can tell when I'm doing it and I'm cringing internally as I'm saying things like, actually, that movie came out. <laughs> Nobody cares and it doesn't matter. And it's like, I can't stop myself. Um, so as as much as that memory does serve me pretty well most of the time, it grosses me out when I, when I use it incorrectly or for evil. Okay, so what about you? What are some weaknesses that you can reframe as strengths? Yeah, okay. So my first one is really similar to kind of your last one. 
um, about being kind of a know-it-all. I like to be right. And it's not from a sense of thinking I know it all. It's just, you know, if if you said the name of something is this or would this happen on this day and I know that that's not true, I'm I'm going to be quick to correct you. And I don't love that about myself. But if we flip it, we could we could talk to curiosity and being in the pursuit of the truth and um, making sure that, you know, we're telling the right stories and we're not lying to ourselves. I think it's really important to be truthful. The second one is I can be really impatient with myself. And if we flip that on its head, I think it's, I'm, you know, I'm motivated to do more and it's hard for me to let things play out. I want to hurry them along. So my impatience gets in the way there, but I am highly motivated. My last one, I would say, not last one in life, just in this example, (laughs) is that I'm not great at being data-driven. You know, often at work um, in previous lives, I'd just be like, oh, I don't do spreadsheets, ha, 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 and we'd move on. And I had some some bosses challenge me in my – as I've gone up the ladder, be like, well, I think this is something you should work on. And if we're going to spin it as a a strength, it's a stretch. I agree. But I do look at problems differently. So if data doesn't make sense to me, I figured out another way to make the things we're calculating against make sense. Is it an opportunity? 100%, especially working for yourself. So I'm getting better at that. I've taken some, some classes and courses to improve my understanding of spreadsheets and such. You find a good one. Let me know. Cause I'm still just putting skincare in there and not understanding <laughs> how to do a, a Sigma or a formula or whatever you do. Well, I don't even know what that means. I barely do. Do this little exercise this week. If you want to, you know, realize that you can give yourself a little more space, a little more patience. Let's stop thinking about weakness as inherently bad and strength as inherently good. They're not, they're complicated. Um, and it's important to bring a little bit of both into your life every day. We are layered people. And I think that's the best part of it. Best part of, you know, figuring out who you are. And if the word opportunity makes more you more comfortable than weakness, embrace it. Absolutely. We'll see you next week. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Artist at Work. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Instagram and Twitter under the handle at artist at work pod. And our website is theartist-atwork.com. We'll see you next time.